Welcome to Reframed, a podcast created to educate, encourage, and inspire parents and professionals. The research is clear. Parenting a child that has a history of loss, abuse, neglect, or trauma requires parenting skills and insight to be reframed. We partner with child welfare experts to bring you evidence-based and research-driven information. Reframed host, Emily Moorhead, LPC, and guests strive to make an impact on our world by creating conversations about topics that are important to you, your family, and our communities. Welcome back to another episode of Reframed. I'm Emily Moorhead, your host, and today I'm joined with Heidi Bruegel-Cox. Heidi, tell me about yourself. Hi, Emily. Well, I just celebrated my 30th year here at Gladney doing adoptions. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, so it's been a, a journey, and I have seen so many changes in that amount of time, as you can imagine. And so I'm just glad to be with you today. Tell me what you do at Gladney. So I am the uh, executive vice president and general counsel. So I work to um, work on laws. I work on the legal process of adoption here at Gladney, try to make macro systems more effective for adoption. I work in some of the international areas and I work in the child welfare area to help more children get out of foster care. So kind of run the gamut. So 30 years at one of the leaders in adoption, um, I would love to learn from you. Just kind of walk me through the evolution of adoption in regards to openness and closed adoptions. Great, yeah. So, you know, if you start back in the 50s and 60s, adoptions became, were very closed at that time. Um, birth parents who were choosing adoption were choosing it uh, because it would, they couldn't take a child home with them. It may have been an extramarital relationship, they may have been young, but they could not let even family members oftentimes know that they were pregnant. Today is very different, as you know. So the laws back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, you know, up really until the mid 80s and into the 90s, protected birth parents so that they could make an adoption decision without having their identity known, even to the adoptive parents and the child at that time. And, they, and the world at that time felt like that was protective um, of that birth parent and respectful of her decision because the only other option she would have had that was protective of her in the, starting in the 70s and 80s would have been to terminate the pregnancy. And so it was really trying to find a way to protect her. I know that our history at Gladney, um, Edna Gladney is obviously our namesake. And one of the things that we even hear in the Fort Worth community still is, I stayed with Aunt Edna. And so a lot of times that's the inference that maybe she planned adoption and um, she stayed in our dormitory. A lot of times, typically even at that, women would kind of hide away and then you would just return home and you had just had a little break at your aunt's house and now you're back in the community. It was a very secret thing. That's right. Yeah, we even had a maternity home at that time and many of the young women came in and they didn't even want to use their real last name. So, you know, my name is Heidi Cox. At that time, I might have come in as, as Heidi Culver just to have a different name. And it was up to the uh, birth parent if that's what she wanted to do. But looking through all the old records, many of them used an assumed name within the dorm. In the legal documents, they used the real name. Sure. But it was a very interesting time. And now it's much more public. Women are proud of their adoption plans. They feel comfortable sharing that. It's more so even that our you know, society is more even accepting of their choice. Right. Well, women have options today, which is empowering. Mm -hmm. They can choose to parent. There are so many systems out there to help support parenting 
uh, moms and dads who are parenting as single parents. Um, but they also should be empowered to make an adoption plan if that's what they want. You know, and if some women still choose to do a very private adoption without their identity being given to the adoptive parents, um, and so we also want to continue to respect that choice. But there are much fewer, uh, many fewer women who are making that choice today. And what does that look like for records? I mean, back in the day, obviously they were so private, now more so most adoptions are semi-open or open. So what does that look like for adoptees with records, families knowing birth parent identities? Yeah, so I think it's very healthy if the birth parent and the adoptive parents can know each other's identities and the child can grow up knowing so much more about the birth mother. Um, the, for those mothers who choose to have a more confidential adoption and do not want their identity shared, we still wanna be respectful of that, but we also tell them you can be confidential up to a point, mm -hmm. but you know your information uh, just the way society is today with the uh, DNA kits that people can get, you know, the direct to consumer DNA options. You cannot guarantee a birth mother today that she will have her confidentiality protected if, even if that's what she wants. You know, I looked at some really old records and there were even women who, when we tracked someone down, they had given false names mm -hmm. to us at me many years ago, so they didn't even trust that we could keep them confidential. Today, that would never be an option because the DNA kits will identify the, um, the person regardless of their name. So Heidi, tell me what Gladney's doing and what active legislation is going on about records for adoptees and birth parents. Well, so we've worked for several years to try and give adopted adults access to their original birth certificates. We've drafted legislation, we've met with legislators, and we have just not found any traction in Texas yet. So Gladney's been very proactive in trying to give these adopted adults access, and we're hoping that we will be able to get there again in the next legislative session. But it's been a, it's been a slow road. I know it's been frustrating for adopted adults who are trying to receive access to their records. How would you recommend balancing records information with the DNA information that's available these days? Well, I think what I would like for legislators and the public to understand who are opposed to giving adopted adults access to their records is that we can no longer protect birth parents. I've heard legislative aides talk about people have have promised a birth parent that they would protect their privacy. Gladney made those same promises many years ago, and that's great and as long as you have the power to make that promise. No one has that power today. So even if I promised you 10 years ago that I'm gonna protect you and I'm never going to draft legislation that would give someone access to your identity, the DNA kits are giving access to the information. And what's happening is they're not going directly to the birth mother. Mm -hmm. They find the DNA connected to a cousin or an aunt or some other distant relative and now the whole family's talking about who could be this birth parent who's connected within the second degree of consanguinity. And so she gets outed by all these relatives talking about who could this be and what could happen. Mm -hmm. If we would give people access to their original birth certificate, that would give the adult adopted person access to the name of the birth parent that person could go directly to the birth mother and not go through this uh, path of other relatives to find her. So I think it's way more respectful of the birth parent. And Gladney's whole 
history has been about respecting the birth parent, the adopted adult, the child, the family. There are a lot of people that we are trying to balance the interests and needs of. And today, the best way to balance those interests and needs is to give the, uh, give the adopted person access to their original birth records. I think that's really important to note, especially with looking at the records and looking at DNA, because I know that we've had adopted persons who were ser searching for someone and they found that yes, the records say this person possibly as a father maybe, but really it turns out with DNA. And so some of our families and adopted persons and birth parents are even kind of working with DNA to ensure that the accuracy of the records is correct. Right, you know, our records are only as accurate as the information that we receive. We don't go and verify information. Um, you know, we have access to more, more ways to verify information today than we would have had 20 or 30 years ago. But if a birth parent tells us John Smith is the biological father and it turns out it's James Jones and DNA identifies that, I mean, that's the reality. Uh, so, so yes, there have been some surprises that we've gotten, but that's not an adoption specific issue. You will hear stories over and over in families and, and people who are raised by their biological parents that they're finding out that they have other relatives they had no idea about or who they thought was their uncle is not. So, so this DNA access to information has, has really turned up a lot of new history for everyone in the world, not just for people who are adopted. And I wanna make sure we remember that, that this is not an adoption specific um, issue. That's a great point. I wonder what advice you would give for an adopted person who was frustrated by the barriers to get their records. Contact your legislators. You know, that they say we need to make a change and what can you do to be part of making that change? Especially in, in Texas, if, that because we've been working on that for a while and we would love to have other people helping us to get there in a very respectful way because there are, there are differences of opinions for very good reason. So we have to be respectful of those opinion differences, but we also want to give the information that the legislators need to make the best decision to, to help these people get access to their records. What would you say to a birth mother who may be listening in and worried that maybe she could be found and that wasn't something that she was ready for? Yeah, there's not anything that anyone can do that's going to prevent it from happening. The world has shifted. Uh, people have access to more information than ever and there is no one who has control over protecting her information any longer. So I would say prepare for it. And if you've worked with an agency, call the agency, see what they can do to help you. I would much rather have the agency or a professional help that birth parent and the adopted person build a relationship in a healthy way instead of someone outing someone else or showing up unexpectedly. So I think it's all about preparation and getting help because that birth mother's gonna to wanna to know, how do I tell my adult children this story? How do I tell my other relatives? You know, And if they're in their 70s or 80s, how do I talk about it and my grandchildren will know this? So there, there are ways to do it and there are professionals there who can help with that. So I would say, you know, get some help and let's get started on it because it's coming. Before DNA, what we heard a lot of times was that people would call us, they would try to reunify with a birth parent and as an agency, Gladney was able to really kind of handhold that process. But since DNA has come into the picture, we've lost a little bit of that control. And what I mean by handholding is that counseling piece. And so I love that you're saying, 
yes, this could happen and get prepared for it. Um, but even during that process, having that counseling, because this is a new relationship and a, a whole different picture in your life. And so having support to figure out how to manage boundaries and the newness of this, I think could be really important. Yeah, you're so right about that. Just because the adopted adult can get direct access to the birth parent or the family, doesn't mean they can't also bring in the agency and get some help in doing it. I've worked with a number of, of adopted persons who want to access their birth mother directly, but they want me to help get there. It's much less intimidating for a birth mother to get a letter from an attorney or an agency that says, this person it was adopted, you're the birth parent, we would love to set up a time and see if you would have information to share or even have a meeting. So that she has two options. You're not just in her face saying, we're having an expectation that you're going to want to meet this person. So you start by building, we'd like to collect information and share information so that she has time to process. One thing that when a, a, someone who's adopted is looking for the birth parent, they've been processing this plan and this decision for quite a while. So when a birth parent is, is uh, confronted with the opportunity to meet this, uh, this adopted child, they may or may not have really thought it through and processed it at the same time in the same way with the same expectations. So by having a professional in the middle, you help both sides work on their expectations and try to get them to the best possible relationship. I mean, that really is the goal. All right, so you have been asking me a lot of questions and I've been giving a lot of answers about the legal process of getting access to your birth certificates and to what the DNA kits are, are causing in the adoption world. But now I have a question for you. Um, I've suggested that everyone should work with professionals because you need some help, whether you found your birth parent through DNA or through getting access to your birth certificate. So where do you recommend that someone go in order to get that kind of help? Yeah, so I actually worked in the post-adoption department for a few years and was able to facilitate several reunions, which was really fun and very complex. Um, it's really exciting. It's exciting energy to meet this person that you've dreamed of for years. We have to kind of slow our roll sometimes too. And so I love the idea of connecting with a professional. We utilize psychology today in a lot of cases. It's really easy. You type in the insurance that you have, your zip code, and what you need spe specialization in. So for example, adoption. And then interview those therapists. Do you have experience working with reunions? Can you help me with boundaries? What do you know about adoption? We have a lot of people who call us that aren't Gladney families, aren't Gladney adoptees, and definitely not Gladney birth parents, and so still happy to help facilitate those. And so in the show notes today, I'll even provide some resources for anyone who may not be a Gladney person specifically. One thing that we know is that it's so exciting and our guidance is always just to take a deep breath when this connection happens. We always advise to just start the communication slowly. So maybe reveal your first name, but not your last. Maybe share the state you live in, but not the city. And as the relationship grows, just like any relationship, more can be divulged. One of our tips is to always avoid adding that person on social media immediately. It's a portal into your life. And so just being cautious of that immediate friend ad that's gonna show maybe your kids and the school they go to and you really wanna slowly open your life just because you wanna have control of that and you wanna set those boundaries to set up the relationship for success. And that goes for both parties. Um, I always think talking to a professional about maybe what your expectations of the relationship is is helpful because we know that 
each of you have different ideas going into this relationship about what you're hoping for and learning how to communicate that to one another, I think can really ease the pressure and start the relationship off in a really healthy way. Great question. Yeah, well, so I'm hearing you say it's not always an Oprah moment when you first get access to your birth parent. Although Oprah shows that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I think it really is. It's this process of just learning a new person and learning a new relationship and giving grace that there's going to be some bumps in the road during that learning process, but setting it up for success with a professional involved and just with awareness about slowly building it, I think can be really helpful. Good. Well, thanks. I've enjoyed visiting with you today. It was really great to have you, Heidi. Thanks for tuning in for this really important episode. We've provided all the links that we talked about today in your show notes so you can start the process of understanding your own identity better. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Reframed. Visit GladneyUniversity.org to access the show notes and learn about upcoming trainings at Gladney University. We'd love your feedback, so please rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.